Dear Prudence. 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 Do you think that I should contact him again? Help. Help. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to another mini episode of Dear Prudence. I'm your host, Danny M. Lavery, and this show is for you, our Plus subscribers. Our guests this week are Aminatu So, a writer, interviewer, and cultural commentator, and Anne Friedman, a journalist, essayist, and media entrepreneur. Together, they host the long-running podcast, Call Your Girlfriend, and have recently published their first book, Big Friendship. And now, here's our first letter. Uh, is it my turn again next or is it not? I think you're up. Oh man. Okay, here we go. I'm, I'm getting the, the, the big ones today. The subject of this is my husband leaves vitriolic Yelp reviews. Also, I just want to preface this by saying to the both of you, the, the shortest amount of time I ever held down a job was at Yelp back in 2011 or 2012. And I worked there for three weeks. What a disclosure. <laughs> and I mostly just had to like review and flag the vitriolic Yelp reviews, of which there were a lot. Oh, wow. Wow. And then I quit. I, I have feelings about people who just leave bad reviews all the time, but um, we can get into that. We definitely, definitely will. I think we probably are all pretty close to the same page on this one. So, dear Prudence, my husband has always been a little, quote, grouchy, but he's become even more militant as he gets older. He's 68. Lately, he's taken to leaving truly awful Yelp reviews for local businesses in our small town. They range from merely negative to truly vitriolic. He doesn't use racial slurs or anything, but berates owners and workers for the most inconsequential reasons. He also uses his real name. This is a small town. I dread going out with him because business owners recognize us and act awkward and nervous when we walk in. Worse, these owners' families and employees are directly impacted by his negativity, as they sometimes lose business as a result. I've spoken to my husband about this a few times. He always says something like, if they go into business, they should be able to do a good job, and I deserve to spend money and not be stressed when I walk into a restaurant. They shouldn't get their feelings hurt if I call them on it. I can't stand this. Most of these workers make minimum wage. It makes me wonder whether my husband and I even have similar values. What can I do to make him stop? Would I be outrageous for thinking of a trial separation over this? He's never been abusive, but he has displayed other behaviors that make me question his lack of basic kindness and empathy for others in his old age. Oof. I mean, it's all there. Mm-hmm. It's it's all it's all there. <laughs> she left it. She left it all on the page. It's you know I I I do not wonder about this person. It is all there. Yeah, I hope that's not the only thing she'll be leaving. Um, maybe that's a bridge too far. But honestly, like I I I feel like this is one of those situations where I where the letter writer knows what's up in the sense of like knows that this behavior is not okay and has the context to say things about you know, the comments only being negative, um, bringing in this very valid point that most of these workers are not paid a living wage, um, questioning this on a values level. And I think it's very telling that that note 
the the line about wondering whether we even hold similar values immediately precedes like what can i do to make him stop because part of me is like if we've learned anything about you know human beings in recent years of american politics it's like shared values are kind of important for being able to address disconnects like this mm-hmm. um and the, so yeah so those two lines back to back really really stick out to me what did you two think of that little bit towards the beginning, he doesn't use racial slurs or anything. That felt to me like the letter writer was hinting at either a fear or a suspicion that they have, um, because it wasn't immediately clear to me why you would need to say, by the way, when he's rude to waiters, he doesn't use racial slurs unless you felt like it was kind of on the horizon. Did you have any thoughts there? Oh, I mean, I have a lot of feelings about it. I, one, absolutely don't believe it. And two, I also think that it is an impossible standard of saying, um, it's basically a way of saying, um, if this person, um, I know that this person is problematic, but the line that I'm holding is if they use a racial slur. And the truth is that um, you can be racist without ever using a racial slur. And so this is, you know, I would say to this letter writer, what do you feel about yourself that you are still with this person? Because clearly that, you know, there is already judgment within and there is a fear of judgment from others, but I would worry less about the judgment of others and more about, you know, the, it's like, how, how do you feel inside that you are with someone where your, your literal line is, oh, unless they use a racial slur, everything else goes um, in a, you know, on the scale of racially problematic things that one can do. So clearly there is a level of self-awareness there. I think that there, you know, this is someone who would like for someone else to reinforce a norm for them or, you know, or or to make them feel brave about, um, you know, a half step that they would like to take. But, um, you know, I think that that line is very telling. Yeah, my other thought there was that the letter writer was aware on some level that the the dynamic is racist or like, that, that these are mostly people of color and the husband in question is white and some of the ways in which he is like punitive or aggressive is racist and the, and and yet is is sort of like unable to acknowledge that because it's like, okay, well, he's not using one of the bad words that I know you shouldn't say. So that's a line he hasn't crossed, which, you know, a, again, if racism is a component of this or if that's something that you feel like is happening kind of behind the scenes or or at a level that he's not quite willing to openly avow, you can still name it. That's not the only rubric for determining whether or not something is racist. Right. And you see it come up again later in the letter with the line, he's never been abusive, um, which is another one of these lines that is, yeah, I think I think very similar where you don't really say that unless you have really grappled with the question of like, is this behavior abusive? Like, and are trying to find that line. Right. Or like the idea of if it's not abusive, I probably shouldn't leave him. When I think there's so many other kind of rubrics that you can apply to your marriage, like, do I like him? You know, like, do I respect him? Do I have a good time when we eat dinner together? Because if the answer to all three of those questions is like, no, no, and no, you, you don't need to kind of hold out for only if he starts abusing me directly, can I consider leaving? If you think, I hate eating meals with this guy, he doesn't listen to me, I don't respect him, I'm embarrassed to be with him in public, those are all great reasons to leave your husband. 
right? Or maybe not even on a conscious level of I hate eating dinner with him, but like, why do I always feel on edge when I just go to dinner with my husband? Like questions like that, um, I think have very telling answers. Yeah. And like, you know, do you think just as a fellow human being with, with your own kind of uh, faculties of, of reason and, and judgment and discernment, do you think that it makes sense for someone to say, when I walk into a restaurant, I deserve to not experience a moment of stress? And by implication, if I experience a moment of stress, which I may like apply very liberally to a number of, of possible outcomes, um, is it then the best use of my time and energy to leave, you know, nasty online reviews trying to tank their business. Mm. You're, you're allowed to question that argument, that line of thinking. I, I think his, it feels very telling that what he's essentially saying is, if I spend money on a sandwich, uh, everyone who works in the sandwich building is now responsible for my internal emotional experience. And if I am not made to feel like a medieval baron eating a turkey leg and watching peasants dance for my amusement, I will make them suffer. That's, I, th I think that's a bad way to live your life. Sounds like a hard person to share a life with. That's what I will say. Yeah. Yeah. And especially when you say things like they lost business and had to close this month. And he's like, well, they shouldn't get their feelings hurt. That's not what you're bringing up. You know, you're talking about people's actual ability to try to make a living. So anyways... This is a lot of energy we're expending on what sounds like a very clear-cut case of I'm married to a big jerk who loves being a jerk and hates listening. Leave him. Have a great time. Go out to eat by yourself. He can leave you a nasty Yelp review on the Yelp page of his divorce lawyer. <laughs> Shall I read the next one? Please do. Subject. Accidental visibility. Dear Prudence, I have come to the conclusion that I'm non-binary, but I don't plan on coming out or transitioning. I live in a country that is fairly progressive on gay rights, but is pretty transphobic. I work in the media, and I feel I am more useful as a cis-lesbian, quote, ally, plus my colleagues would treat me terribly. My body image has always been very fluid, so that rules out making any changes. The only real change would be pronouns, and I can live without those. However, I often get, quote, read as non-binary, especially in queer spaces, and it freaks me out every time. A friend of a friend actually made fun of me to my face when I referred to myself as cis during a conversation, and I have borne a grudge against them ever since. How do I respond politely and calmly when this kind of thing happens? I just don't want to come out, and I don't feel I should have to. Hmm. Yeah, I feel that sound inside me too. I feel this letter makes me very sad because all I read are concessions for other people. Right. And you know, and and I and I understand why why one why one would do that. Um and you know, and I also know the reality of um you know, coming out is it is it is not safe for people and and coming out not on your own timeline and not on your own um on your own accord even in a country that you know this person says is very progressive is something that is is really 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 painful but i think that um you know it's not lost on any of us that all of this you know the the bulk of the thinking here at least as it is laid, as it is laid out is a concession for other people's comfort and um Mm -hmm. And and that makes me that makes me incredibly sad. Um, you know, the friend of a friend is a huge asshole. Yep. Um, and and I ha have now borne a grudge against them for <laughs> for eternity. 
jointly carrying that. Uh-huh. Yep. yep. <laughs> yeah. You know, and and for me, like the 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 biggest two words here, you know, like the doing the most work here is <laughs> how do I respond politely and calmly when this kind of thing happens? And you know, I, I will say that all I want to do is flip the table right now. And and so so much of so much of the pain that I feel for this person is about that, is that you are, you know, um, someone is quite literally attacking who you are as a person and you feel a need to be polite and calm about it, you know? And I, and I understand why, like, of course, like a uh, safety first, but I would say that, you know, for me, that is the first place that I would really interrogate of why do I need to be polite and calm about this? Is there a way that I can express what I feel about the situation and be true to what I think and not have to succumb to these like really fucked up like norms essentially, because this is, this is just, um, you know, like bigotry masquerading as civility, which happens all of the time and nobody should be subjected to that. And, you know, and obviously like that is so much easier for me to say like this, you know, like my, my own gender identity is not what is in called into question here. And so I, you know, I am, I am really aware of, of the privilege in which I stand to be able to say this. But I do, you know, like, I, I would say to this reader, like, you know, why do you feel that you need to be polite and calm about it? And do you think that that politeness and calmness will save you or will make you feel better? Because the truth of the matter is that you are, you are molding yourself into uh, an idea that you think that this fucked up world wants. And if that's not going to work out and that's going to be painful, what is the worst that could happen if you lived for yourself? And, you know, and I say that knowing fully well that the price is very high to be paid for people who um, who come out and want to live as their full selves. But, you know, I think, I, I just think so much of, of that Audre Lorde quote, you know, about your silence not protecting you and that being an exhortation in a completely different context but, you know, the truth is that you don't owe people who hate you politeness and kindness. Like, it's, you know, I, I understand that we are afraid of them and that fear is justified, but we don't um, we don't owe them any kind of kindness or politeness because they are the ones that are wrong. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's all really useful. I, I, I wasn't sure, not that it especially matters from the letter writer's perspective, but that interaction with a friend of a friend, like, either that was a straightforwardly transphobic moment, which again, you can experience transphobia even if you're not trans or even if you're not out or even if you haven't transitioned. You know, lots of different people can take fire for it simply because of how somebody else is reading them in that moment. Or if they themselves were queer and thought they were helping you come out to yourself by mocking you, which is also transphobic and shitty and sometimes a little bit harder to dislodge because, you know, it is not unheard of for somebody to say, you know, because I'm gay or because I'm trans, if I want to like josh somebody else into coming out in the direction I think they should be coming out in, I'm actually doing like a brave, helpful thing for the community. Um, it, it's, it's not. Um, and people who do that need to stop. Mm. Certainly, I can recall with shame moments uh, as a much younger queer person and feeling like, oh, that's probably like really helpful. And uh, it's not. It's deeply invasive. It's super, super impolite and often cruel. And um, trying to guess other people's, you know, 
gender or trans status or sexuality and then tease them into admitting that you were right all along is just a really bad way to relate to people. I think my only other thought there is, you know, as you were saying, um, I, I don't want this letter writer to think I should only come out if I think it's more useful to the greater cause of LGBT rights. Like you should also think about it in terms of what you might get out of it or, or how it might benefit you. Even if you say to yourself, I'm not going to come out, I want you to at least give yourself the imaginative freedom to think a little bit about what you could potentially get out of it. Um, I, I don't want you to feel like you have to foreclose upon it even in your own imagination. You do not have to come out or transition ever if you don't want to. Um, but you also deserve the chance to at least think about it, not simply in terms of your own utility to other people, but in terms of your own personal flourishing. And I would include in that, you know, you say my body image has always been very fluid, so that rules out making any changes. I'm so curious to know a little bit more there. I wasn't quite sure what the letter writer meant by that, but my suspicion is what you're trying to say is something like, I, I, the way that I feel about my appearance or my presentation changes a lot. So I could never make any kind of change because I would just know that my feelings would change again. And I, I would just encourage you to reframe that as I'm allowed to consider all of my options. I may ultimately decide that making bigger changes than, you know, an outfit from day to day is not something that I want to pursue because I want to have more options available to me, but that doesn't disqualify you from considering your choices. That's all I'll say there. I don't want to, you know, get really married to the idea of you must consider the following three choices or don't. Like, I have no dog in that fight. I just want you to know that you are allowed to consider changes even if you decide not to pursue them. Right. And and shifting a little bit this question from, you know, I can live without pronouns to like, do, do I want to? Or like, you know, just like maybe, right. maybe even just looking at the kind of the questions that this, this letter writer has posed, you know, right here to us, just flipping that framework or like that verb just a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think many people, not necessarily all, but many people who start acknowledging at least a partial curiosity or desire about some sort of transition, they'll start by thinking, I don't need it. Or like, well, I don't want it. Um, and it can sort of start out with this sort of like restrictive thought, which is I'm going to begin by thinking about all the things I know I can live without. Um, and sometimes that's based in self-protectiveness in a way that makes a lot of sense to me because there's just also a lot of fear. And it's like, if I really let myself think about how much I might want or need something, I would feel so devastated by the idea of not getting it. I wouldn't be able to go on and I need to be able to go on. So I'm just going to let that sit for a while. But you know, again, you're allowed to put safety and privacy first. You don't have to transition just because you think about wanting it sometimes. But um, yeah, I would just mostly encourage you not to think of this in terms of what you can live without, but under what conditions you might be able to sometimes ask for or pursue the things that you need. The last thing that I'll say here is I think part of what you're encountering is not, um, you know, I think sometimes people use the phrases non-binary or androgynous interchangeably, and they're not. I think what you're experiencing is possibly things that other people impose, not because you quote unquote look non-binary. There's, there's no one way to do that. But if people see you as androgynous or visibly gender non-conforming, they often conflate the two. 
that is a mistake on their part. And they are assuming that because you look a certain way, you must also carry a certain identity and that they know it better than you do. And that sucks. And I'm sorry. But all you need to do in that case is let somebody know that they are making an assumption about you and that you don't welcome it. You don't have to be polite or even very calm. You can just tell someone they're being rude. And I think that's it. Sorry, I, I know I got really, I went down like nine different rabbit holes, but. No, no, that was perfect. That was perfect. This is why you are uh, Dear Prudence. It's that's true. Perfect. We see one layer and you see 10. So <laughs> yeah, um, sometimes the right people have the right jobs. It happens. Wow, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, when it comes to thinking about different ways you try to talk yourself out of thinking about transitioning, I, I have the lived experience, as they say. That's our mini episode of Dear Prudence for this week. Our producer is Phil Circus. Our theme music was composed by Robin Hilton. As always, if you want me to answer your question, call me and leave a message at 401-371-DEAR. That's 3327, and you might hear your answer on an episode of the show. You don't have to use your real name or location. And at your request, we can even alter the sound of your voice. Keep it short. 30 seconds, a minute tops. Thanks for listening. 